Hi everyone, I'm Carol Wang. Welcome to a special season of Health 101. We're focusing these episodes on what the COVID-19 pandemic has wrought to our health emotionally, physically, and mentally. And while we're addressing the effects this has had on physicians and their healthcare colleagues, we know these themes are universal. So if you recognize yourself or someone you love in our conversations, we urge you to seek help for yourself or for them. I'll have more resources at the end of the show. And a quick note of gratitude to the Copic Foundation for making this version of Health 101 possible. Okay, so we all intellectually know what it takes to lead a healthy lifestyle. We know it, but things like stress, things like being busy, excuses come up, and somehow it doesn't happen. Well, in this last year plus, because now we've been over a year, um, I think a lot of good habits have flown out the door, and I think we've reverted to basic survival mode in a lot of ways. And so we're going to talk about stress and strategies for su- success and, and maybe even think about how we're looking at our lifestyle and how we're thinking about the things we want to eat. Um, and so today I have two great people to talk about this, and that is Dr. Laura Prestridge. She's a pediatric gastroenterologist um, who has a lot of knowledge about nutrition. And then I have Deanna Larson, who is an internal medicine doctor and also a certified life coach. So this is really a great combination to start. So I'm going to start with the question that I think we all can identify with. We all react to stress by making bad choices, whether it's what we eat, what we drink, what we do. Why is it? Why do you think we just automatically... We don't choose the good stuff. We choose the bad stuff. We choose the bad behavior when we start getting stressed out or we shut down. I mean, I think that's the other thing that happens. Well, I mean, I think it's fight or flight. You know, you, you're in a stressful situation and you want to go to something that will immediately give you comfort. And for a lot of people, that's food or alcohol or some behavior that really isn't in their best interest. And um, so I think it's normal. But what we want to get away from is this mindlessness of doing things like that. You know, you need to take a step back and say, okay, I don't want to just, you know, curse the darkness. I, I want to see where I want to go, and I want to find the light switch. And that's what I think you ought to do. I think you made a good point about the instant gratification that people want today, we want it faster and sooner and yesterday. And I think that's one of the things that we go for quickly. And our thought sometime is not, it's, it's more of the feeling that we're trying to get rid of. So if you have a stress feeling, you really want that to go away. And so some of the easiest things, instead of allowing the stress and processing the stress, we just decide we're going to divert it. We're going to ignore it. We're going to try to get to a better feeling quick. And we don't think about the thoughts and the feelings and then the actions that that gives us and on the results in our life. Do you think that the pandemic has been different in the sense that, you know, usually a stressful episode, it is a finite time. And, and I think a lot of people really did think, well, this will be a finite time. Yeah. We've gone a little beyond everyone's finite timelines and everyone's thoughts of where this is. And it's 
now almost habitual some of the bad behavior we've done as stress, you know, uh, how we handle it and how we behave towards it? I think it's about becoming aware of it first because a lot of times our thoughts and our feelings happen so fast that we don't even slow it down and think about them. I talked to a woman yesterday who was realizing that when she was disappointed or sad, she was going to go to Amazon and buy something. And that improved her feeling really quickly. But then the stress that she was having was gone by the time the package even arrived. And so she didn't even really care to open it once it got there. It was just, you know, I have this stress feeling and I want it to go away and I want it to go away now. And so I'm going to eat the dish of candy or I'm going to watch Netflix or I'm going to order something on Amazon. And we don't stop and realize, wow, this is really me doing actions based on a feeling that is going to go away. And I really should be thinking more about what I'm making conscious choices. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you have to be mindful and, and you think, well, that's easy to do. I'll just think about what I'm doing, but it actually does take practice. Um, I think meditation is a huge help and I can see where something happens and I, I would typically, you know, go off the deep end. And if I think, okay, this is making me angry. All right, let me feel that. Let me see. What do I want? Okay. And, and you know, I can redirect that. You know, I might, myself, I might shop on Amazon, but I just put it in the cart. I don't, <laughs> I don't hit the button, you know. And when, when I coach people, I find out that they learn the process kind of in steps. The first thing we do is look at a experience that's already happened and then follow it through and, you know, realize, wow, I was having that thought and, you know, really I got turned down for this job and that made me feel rejected. And there's where I decided I was going to take bad action. So you sort of learn it in at the in reverse at in the beginning. And then as you progress, you get to where you're like, wow, I'm doing it in this moment. And you can actually stop and see what you're doing in the moment. But she's exactly right. It takes a lot of practice to see what your thoughts are doing and where they're leading you because we have 60,000 a day and they go so fast through us. And And when you do make a mistake which is inevitable. Everybody does it. I think it's okay to look and say, oh, that was a mistake. But not say, how could you be so stupid? You know, it's just like, hmm, let me think how I could maybe have done it different and project I would do it different in exactly. the future. I yeah. try so hard to get people, especially female physicians, who think we have to do everything perfectly all the time, to give themselves self-compassion and really not judge your thoughts, not judge your actions, you know, try to look at everything with curiosity. And sometimes even like we are trained to do experiments and studies. And so maybe even do everything as a study, you know, so this time when I was upset, I did this, but now I'm really going to try every time I'm going to put it in the cart and I'm going to leave it in there till tomorrow and then see if I still really want to do it. So if you can just even open up a space for curiosity and experimentation um, of what you're doing, that's sort of a good step. 
I feel like physicians more than, as probably a group, more than any other, it's the all or nothing. I either am running a marathon and training for a marathon, or I don't walk a step. Because it's, you have to have the big goal and the ultimate, penultimate achievement versus the incremental. Do you think that stands in your way of success? Do you think that mindset is hard to break? And is it breaking? Should you break it? Maybe that's not the right word for it. For me, I think it was more of an issue earlier in my career. You know, as I matured and sort of wound things down, uh, I, I didn't feel that driven. Um, and then, of course, I, I actually retired last year, but maybe coming back a little tiny bit this year. Um, and so what I have been doing, obviously, is continuing education and, and also reading, getting into other reading and, and, you know, expanding my, uh, my knowledge of different things and, you know, seeing that what opportunities that I have because of where I've been, you know what I mean? Um, so it's the wisdom of time in retrospect. Yes. But had I known, had I been doing meditation in my 30s, I think it would have opened doors then, you know, that it opens now. You know, uh, just uh, uh, it's self-assessment in some ways, but not in a way of beating yourself up at all. You know, and I, I think that's what we as women and or as physicians, male or female, as if, you know, we have to be good enough all the time. And um, I haven't met anybody that's that good all the time. <laughs> so. Yeah. I like to encourage people kind of when they're goal setting to take a tiny step that they know that they will be able to complete. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of can build the trust with yourself that I am the person that's going to c- complete my goals and instead of setting yourself up for something that is too big that you're going to fail, and then that's just going to create a negative feeling. So a lot of times I'll say, you know, what is one tiny step that you could take today? And just a small one, because the more that you can celebrate your wins and really learn to give yourself that internal gratification of, I really committed to this and I did it. I'm the person who does the things that I say. Is it about internal gratification and wins, or is it about accomplishing and habit forming? Does that make sense? You know, because I feel like there's, we, you know, people talk about exercise in the sense of, you know, 28 days or so and you will have a habit. <laughs> um, you know, is that really the way we really should be looking at it? Because it feels that it becomes almost compulsory or compulsive um, to check it off versus a celebration. I think habits are good um, if you can use the right ones. Um, They are hard to form, and the bad ones are easy to form and hard to get rid of. But it does help if you can 
add like a habit on to something that you're already doing. If you're already doing this every day, I'm brushing my teeth every day. So now I'm going to decide I'm going to do 10 squats or whatever. If you can like add it on to another habit that you're already doing. But more what I was talking about with the gratification is I think as physicians, we have gotten so much of our rewards externally. We were the people that always got A's and everybody praised us. We were the top of our class. We've always gotten pretty much everything that we've done. And now today, the way healthcare is, most of the things that we get as far as feedback are not good. We get these satisfaction surveys or the Yelp reviews and um, or, you know, maybe they're telling us we need to see more patients or we're not coding correctly or all of these different things. And we have never learned to give ourselves internal gratification because we're, we're so used to getting it from other people. And I think just learning to give yourself self-compassion and celebrating the things that you do internally just for you, that is a big key to getting you to happiness, being able to be the one that says, I am a good enough doctor. I am a good enough mom. I, I agree with that. Uh, you know, as far as exercise, at least for me, you know, it, it took taking those first few steps. And uh, uh, I was challenged to, to walk the half marathon, and I started walking three miles around a track. And I was like, oh, my, I can't believe how long it took me to do that. But, you know, you just do a little bit and a little bit. And pretty, sure, pretty soon, I loved being out there walking. You know, whether I was with, I loved it, especially if I was with somebody, but otherwise, you know, listening to a podcast or whatever, or a book or, or music, or just, just listening, just thinking while I was walking. And, you know, I found it so enriching and satisfying, and it was all about me, you know, and uh, I didn't know it would be that way in the beginning, but it was, so, yeah. And I think we're so used to researching and learning everything about everything before we start. And in other parts of our life, sometimes we need to just start, just start by starting. And then instead of saying that was a failure, you know, maybe that was too far for me to walk that day. That was just an experiment. You know, it was just something that I tried and it didn't work. And now I've learned it's not failing. It's just learning. And in other things besides medicine, you just have to fail sometimes. You have to fail forwards in order to get what you need. But we are so used to thinking of failure as, you know, bad. And it's not necessarily. It's just learning. I also feel like you guys also hint at the importance of stillness and the importance of being with your thoughts in in thinking through things in giving yourself permission to think. In some ways, you have been trained to react really quickly and to get things done and to move along, and life is full of checks, checklists and things to do and things you have to get done. And I wonder if just people are uncomfortable with being by themselves or being still with those thoughts. Um, it, it's actually kind of hard, you know, when, when, when you sit down to, like, meditate or just think about things. Uh, because your mind is still going a zillion miles an hour, you know, and y you, you want to be in your space with where you are right now. And 
that's certainly something that was not taught in medical school at all. And, you know, perhaps all the burnout that we were already seeing was a, a product of, of this hyperdrive that everybody gets into. Um, you know, likewise, they do almost nothing. I mean, before I went to medical school, I worked on a paper with a, a guy who was a medical student about how much nutrition education there was in medical school. And it was like 2% of medical schools addressed nutrition at all. And, you know, even even now, I mean, it's great that you can bring in the dietitian, but it's sometimes more powerful if the physician says you need to do, you know, you could try this or try that. And our whole population is so misinformed about what is even edible, you know, that, I mean, I, I used to see many, many children with chronic stomach aches. And you do a, a quick diet history, and it's like, really? Well, if you just eat pizza every day, <laughs> uh, your body's not going to like that. And I don't have a pill mm-hmm. to erase that. So, you know, and I, I think that's a lot of the problem with our, our U.S. food system and, and what they're teaching or not teaching our, our kids to eat. Um, I mean... I think if it's not really food, you shouldn't put it in your mouth, you know? Um. And I think it's maybe hard for us to slow down because that's not the way that we are genetically wired. So if you go back to the days where there were dinosaurs and the fight or flight that she talked about before, when when there's a dinosaur there, if you were the person that sat and thought, should I talk to the dinosaur? Should I have something to eat? Should I change clothes? I mean, you were going to be dead. So it was the people who were like, yeah, run, dummy, run. You know, those are the people that the genes got passed on through time. So our brain is not wired to stop and think about things. It's, it's stimulus response. You know, that's the way that we're wired. And that's why we do that. And sometimes we, we don't live in the world of dinosaurs anymore. So sometimes those reactions don't get us the best outcomes because we don't take the time to slow it down and think about, you know, what is this action going to get me? Um, but now we, we have learned, been learning how to do that and teaching people how to do that. But it's not our default. <laughs> our default is just to react. Mm-hmm. I feel like the world is very fast-paced and you are rewarded we're being able to operate in a fast-paced environment, you know. Um, we celebrate the people who never take a sick day, who, you know, pound through the 12, 16-hour day. You know, we celebrate that in our culture. And so telling people that you don't have to do that is a really hard lesson to learn. And I don't know if we actually support that in a big-picture way. Well, the culture is what the culture is. And, you know, you're not going to change it by saying, oh, it's time for me to go to <laughs> take my 20 minutes here. You know, but but it can help you because you can find your 10 or 20 minutes. You can, you can do it. Um, and then if you still, you're, you feel so refreshed, you can, you can do the rest of your, you know, your, high-paced day. Um, 
and and you can feel more satisfaction about what you accomplished whereas rather than it just being a blur you know and and yeah i agree and it's often not supported you're right i mean our healthcare today is based on production and that doesn't equal your worth and if but they're not going to support you. You have to support you. You have to decide that I'm going to put myself first. I no longer think that the patient should come first. I think that if we don't take care of ourselves, we're not going to be able to take care of other people. And it's not going to be supported. It's not going to be rewarded. But maybe internally you can reward yourself. And you'd show up completely differently for people when you have something to give. If you are so burned out that you have nothing to give, you you just don't show up the way that that you want to, and you know, and and I think that we do value financial health a lot more than mental health in our society, and that's something that I hope to change. I was speaking to a doctor earlier this week, and I asked what two things either did or learned or reinforced for him this last year or so of living under a really high pressure situation and what really helped to get him through it. And one of the things he talked about really surprised me, and it was the fact that he knew but had to almost reinforce and relearn the importance of eating regularly and the importance of not just eating good food, but eating regularly because he noticed how his energy levels, and he really thought about food as fuel in a way that um, we don't always, we think of food as more pleasure. And so I'm curious because if you look on Instagram, people were making sourdough bread for months in the pandemic. People are ba- were baking a, t- a ton. And not that those aren't pleasurable, so I don't want to say that those are wrong, But I also know that when we talk about what we are eating as fuel and in order to help you get through stress, what you should be thinking about when you're eating or what you should be, um, that what we're maybe more wired to want (laughs) is maybe not what we need. Right. Well, I mean, it's been shown that the receptors for sugar and, and opioids are pretty much the same. And so, and sugar is at least as addictive as opioids. Um, what, you know, if you go by the food pyramid that the USDA has, you're going to be misled because, unfortunately, the structure of it was influenced to a great deal by industry. Um, and the very, the very biggest area of it is grains, breads, carbohydrates. And that's really not the way we should be feeding our body. I, I think for things, you know, if you feed your gut microbiome incorrectly, it will produce chemicals that give you pain or that add to your stress and, and have you maldigest what you are eating. Uh, whereas you eat, if you eat things that are good for you, like fruits and vegetables, I mean, yes, it's fine to have some sourdough bread, of course, but, uh, and, and you have to look at things. Does this bother me? 
And is this going to add to my longevity? That's one thing that people don't really think about. You know, like, you know, why would anybody smoke when we, when we know it kills them? You know, well, why would you eat Cheetos? <laughs> you know, um, there are so many things that you should eat that would be better for you that would help you, you know, manage your stress. You know, a cup of of mint tea or something like that rather than a cup of coffee. You know, And I'm continually surprised how bad the choices are at the hospitals. <laughs> I mean, it's anytime after one o'clock and all through the weekend, the only thing we can get is fried food and it's not supported. And so if you are going to do it, that means you're the one that's going to have to plan it and bring it. And that's just another thing that sometimes we fall short on because we have so many other things to do. And um, I think that we've been programmed all the way through like medical school and residency to accept these things that no one else would ever, no lawyer would ever say, I'm not going to eat or pee for 12 hours today. And (laughs) for some reason, we think that's okay. Right. And we brag about it and we use it as like a badge of honor. And it's not, I mean, it needs to change that we are willing to accept those things. And we need to be able to say, no, I deserve to be able to eat and something healthy and take a break and actually sit down and enjoy it and think about it, what I'm actually putting in my mouth instead of me putting a protein bar in my mouth as I'm going up the elevator. So, right. I feel like that's a push-pull tug because I think there is the wanting to eat healthier versus portability and being able to find something quick to eat versus not eating at all and needing that blood sugar kind of ration, you know, making sure that it's consistent through the day because obviously that creates so many more problems for people if you're not regulating kind of that blood sugar, whether you have diabetes or not. Mm -hmm. I think people don't think about that for themselves. They just kind of do their thing. and, And I don't know how we should look at it, maybe in a way. Well, you know, in the past, there was always the doctor's dining room or, you know, the the residents in residency, you could get your lunch for free or whatever from the cafeteria. And so choices were available. And I, the doctor's dining room has sort of been taken away from most institutions. And uh, I, I think that it is a problem for physicians. You know, I think they ought to be able to be rewarded by the institution by having, you know, a decent lunch available. Um, Perhaps even brought to their office if they're so busy they can't go down there and get it, you know. Um, It is important. And, you know, what it it was easier for me after my children grew up that, you know, because I could plan ahead and and bring my own whatever I wanted. but it does take that planning, you know. So uh, it's it's putting putting yourself first. Mm-hmm. Saying, I'm going to need this today, or I'm going to tank at about three o'clock, you know. And the one thing that's not necessarily an issue for physicians because we're lucky enough to have the money to pay for 
good food, but I hear a lot from patients when I'm trying to tell them about eating healthy and they talk about how expensive it is to go to Whole Foods or wherever you're going to get your great food from and McDonald's is $3 and it's fast and it's quick. And so I think that's another issue, not so much for our physicians because we generally can afford to, you know, pay for the things that we um, want for healthy food. But for a lot of people, that's not. Right. And it's also who's going to make it, as you kind of said, Laurel, because I know that most people carry a protein bar or a granola bar or something. Even parents do when they have little kids. Here, have a snack when you pull them in the car before you start dropping them off at activities Mm -hmm. to give them instant fuel. Mm -hmm. Is that giving them good fuel? Depends on what it is, but by and large, no. Um, and it's going to take a, a complete sea t- change for the the United States uh, to understand that by not feeding our population adequately now, the health care burden is going to be astronomical, making what it is now look like nothing, you know, um, <clears throat> and I know, you know, you hate to put broccoli in front of a, you know, third grader and have it end up in the t- in the trash, but it's education of the families and, and the kids <clears throat> and the teachers and, you know, there there used to be home economics in uh, in schools teaching people, mostly women, to learn how to run a kitchen, but but um, Betty Crocker uh, decided that would in her best interest. And so uh, as they were making more, you know, meals in a box, they lobbied to get rid of that from from uh, high school education. And I think that's a shame. I mean, uh, many of the parents of the kids that I saw really didn't know how to cook. It's not hard, but they had no idea, you know. And it, if it didn't come on from a box with a instruction and high salt, and high fat, or whatever, um, they don't know how to do it, and that's, that's, that's a shame. That's a real shame, I think. And we're not even, we're definitely not modeling it in the hospital, and my belief is, I can't prove this, but my belief is that it's because of the patient satisfaction scores. People complain about the food, so I can no longer order a low-salt diet for a patient because they've just taken them all away. It's a house diet. And so I have someone who has heart failure and I walk in and they're eating bacon. And that's because things are being driven by what people want. And the patients, they want something easy. They want something quick. They want a pill. They don't want to actually put in the hard work. And the institutions want them to be happy because they want those good scores because the government pays based on that and it's not it's not even modeling it here you know you even in the hospital you can still have bacon so why would I not do that at home well that's I think a really important point if you see it there then you justify it for yourself in your life so tell me your best advice to anyone physician regular person about the first step to getting, to, to move forward. The best step, strategy, best step, you think, 
do one thing that will make your life a little bit better, that will enhance your health a little bit more, that will help you in a really tough and turbulent time? Well, you need to figure out what your end goal is because you can't get there if you don't even know where you're going. So you need to take some time. It doesn't have to be, you know, a 72-hour retreat, weekend, whatever. Just take some time. What's what's important? What do I want to be like in a year? What do I want to be like in five years? And what could I do that might help me get part of that, just part of it? Like you said, setting a little goal. And, you know, you hear, you hear about mindfulness and everything. Well, what about trying? I know it sounds kind of squishy, but it really isn't. It's you and what's around you. That's all it is. And, and it helps you be more aware of the person you've got in front of you and not having your iPad and doing your whatever. But, you know, because listening to the person, that, that's what they did for hundreds of years. And, and now it's text, 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 and blah, 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 and off we go. Uh, so that's what I think is the first thing is deciding what what you want. I mean, you can think about what's bothering you. That's okay, too, because uh, you need to address if how you could tweak that. Um, but the main thing is about you and how you want to go forward. I, I guess I would say um, it's okay to ask for help. Absolutely. Because even with coaching and the burnout resources and the information, anybody could learn that and institute these tools that I teach or that you teach. You know, it's not like any doctor is not smart enough to figure this out on their own. And we feel like we have to. We feel like, you know, I'm an internist. I don't know the, everything about nutrition, um, but I feel like I should. And what I tell people is that you can learn all this on your own. But what I'm going to save you is the time. I'm going to go through the most important things, and I'm going to maybe be your accountability buddy as far as making sure that you actually do it and follow through. So there's so many resources. Just ask. Don't be afraid. And and it all begins with just making an intention right? and starting and being brave enough to say, look, if it doesn't work out, I at least tried. Right. I mean... When you were in high school or college, you just said, I'd like to be a doctor. Well, that was a huge road, and you had no idea what it would take to get there. You know, but you set your goal, and then you did what you needed to do to get there. Yeah, and I think sometimes when we said we wanted to go to medical school, that path is like very well laid out. We know that you go to college and almost everybody is pre-med. And then you know that you have to write a personal statement and everybody tells you, write these things. I want to practice in a small town. You know, you know exactly what you're supposed to do each step of the way. But then when you get out, you don't always have those plans laid out for you in easy bite-sized portions of, you know, how do I go about learning this? And if you try to Google, you may get 50,000 different resources and we don't have time to go research what works and what doesn't work and I always tell people you know I would never go to my lawyer or my accountant and try to tell them what 
the best thing to do is. But, but for some reason, as physicians, we think we need to be able to figure it out ourselves. And you just don't. That's what you pay the other people for. <laughs> that's that's what their job is to tell you, you know, how to invest or how to a, a trainer, how to exercise or, you know, and you can figure it out all yourself. And that's where we get stuck with our ego maybe and or we don't want to feel like a failure. And so we feel like if we ask somebody for help, then that means we can't do it ourselves or someone will think a thought about us. And it, but in the end, it's only really about what you think about yourself. You guys, words of wisdom to live by. Thank you guys so much for spending time with me. And, you know, hopefully it will light some bulbs in people's minds and they will be inspired to try something and, I hope so. and, and invest in themselves. It's, it's, it's worth it. If you or someone you care about needs immediate help, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-TALK. We also have more resources on our website, omahamedical.com, including an online assessment and options to access care for physicians in the region. Ahura Media Production.